Hey, Charles, this is Sammy from Toronto. Yeah, of course. How are you doing? I'm good. Live from the center of the earth, girth. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, I, I haven't been to Fan Expo in a couple of years. I don't think I went last year, but I'm coming back this, this year. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited. I always love going to that show. It's really fun. All right, we're ready to rock and roll. Are you ready? I am ready. Go for it. Congratulations, Charles, on the publication of your debut novel, The Oracle Year. Is this as exciting as killing off Wolverine? Killing Off Wolverine, I think in, in part because Killing Off Wolverine took a character away from the world, whereas the Oracle Year is introducing lots of cool, new, fun characters to the world. So, But having any book come out, comics, novel, whatever it is, is always an amazing, amazing experience. This one feels particularly special because I've, I've wanted to get a novel out into the world since I was you know, little. Fourth grade, probably, is the first time I started thinking about it. And and this is a, a, a story that's very personal and, and means a lot to me and, and I think is something that, that people who like my comics work will also really enjoy. And I, uh, I just can't wait. I can't wait for people to start reading it. Cool. Yeah, it comes out April 3rd. For Oracle Year, what was the initial spark or what was the image? As you said, you've been kind of wanting to write a novel since you were four. So what was the spark or what was the image for Oracle Year that you're like, ah, this is compelling. I got to write all this down. Right. Well, so before I got into writing full time, I was working as an attorney. Uh, a lawyer in New York City at a very demanding, I mean, it's just a very demanding career in many ways. And, and especially in the early days of that career, I was, I was working very hard to, to also establish myself in, a, in some sort of creative career. What flavor of, right of uh, lawyer were you? Uh, I, I, did, I started out doing transactional and, and corporate work, so mergers and acquisitions, you know, big investment deals, things like that. And then when I opened my own firm in, in early, around 2004, I started doing immigration work, which is what I did all the way up through, um, honestly, I, I still do a bit of it now, but it, you know, I, I shut down my practice in, in late 2015, uh, gosh, no, late 2016, something like that. And then, and then I just only spun out the last few cases that I had at that point, some of which have, have kind of a long, a long time on them, like years, but, but I'm almost, almost completely finished, which mm-hmm. is kind of a, a nice place to be. But at any rate, when I was when I was in the early phase of that career, I was I knew that I wanted to have this creative field uh, as my as my actual career, and so I was working so so hard as a lawyer, but also working really really hard on the side and burning up all of my free time in so many different ways. And I, I remember thinking how much I would love to have just been able to look ahead into my own future, honestly, to sort of to this point right now, to to the point where it's just a few days before my novel's coming out, and, and everything is so exciting. And, and be able to know that, that it was going to work out, that all the effort and, and time I was putting in back then would, would turn into this now. Um, obviously, that's impossible. You have to just sort of do your best and hope and, and work really hard. But it occurred to me then that, man, I bet we all have a question like that, right? Mine was, will my, will my dream of being a, a creative, creative person for a living come true? Other people's might be different things. You know, will, will, will the Blue Jays win, win this year? Will it be... That's a Canada reference, by the way. There you go. Uh, will the, yep. You're so ready for yep. Fan Expo. Yep, exactly. Will my, will my mother ever get, get better? Will I ever see this, this, this man again that I, that I have this connection with? You know, just whatever the question is, I think we all have one. And, uh, and so the idea of somebody appearing in the world who could hypothetically answer those questions for us seemed really compelling to me. And, and that's, that's what generated the Oracle Year. That was really the spark, was thinking about you know, hey, what if, what if you could just send an email and maybe get an answer about your future? Uh, and then thinking about the person who was answering those questions is really the other side of the coin. Um, this guy, Will Dando, who's the main character of the book, 
who, who is the person who maybe can tell you about your future. So. And then you mentioned like writing comics. So did you have to alter your visual approach in terms of writing a novel? Because it's a lot different than writing a comic book. I mean, like we mentioned Wolverine, Daredevil. Most people already kind of know who these people are. But with a novel, you're building everything from scratch. Oracle, you're set in place, exotic places like Uruguay and Denver, right? I always find yeah. that comics are like those kind of Duncan Hines cake mixes, right? While novels are kind of like baking from scratch. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's a pretty decent comparison. I, 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 it's not my first, it wasn't my first go-around working on creating worlds from, from nowhere. Like I've done a fair amount of creator-owned work before getting into big two comics at Marvel and DC. So it's, it hasn't all been established characters for me. Did a, a really long-running series called Letter 44, which is essentially a big, huge science fiction novel. And then I, I'm working on a big, huge, sort of crazy, funny fantasy series called Curse Words with my my collaborator uh, Ryan Brown at Image uh, right now. And that's also kind of a big, a big, you know, a, a giant novel essentially in comic form, just just created over the span of several years. So it's not something that was completely new to me, but but I do think the difference between a comic experience versus or creating a comic versus creating a novel is that. You know, I could write something like, okay, Ryan, Ryan Brown, draw, draw a park with some people having a good time. And, and then he will, and it will look incredible as, because he's extremely talented and knows how to do, do that. But it, it only cost me one sentence, right? But if I wanted to make the feel of that park in a prose version for a reader, I would have to go into much more detail about and, and choose the details that I wanted to, to use to convey the feeling of that park, what the time of year was, what the warm it was, what people might be doing, anything else, it's all on me as opposed to having the, the help of the artist. And, and, and so it's, I mean, that's a task in and of itself, is to, is to fully and accurately describe the environment and give people what they need to set the scene. But it's also about choosing the way that you describe it and, and the, the style of description and the style of elements that you're going to give people is, is really, it's just a different, a different set of muscles. And they're both really fun and really cool, but um, I would say that's the biggest change. You mentioned Letter 44, and I, I find that there's parallels between the president in Letter 44 and the president in Oracle Year, because both men just assumed they, they would have a, a traditional presidency. They pass some bills, uh, maybe have a scandal or two, and then just kind of wrap up their presidency. But they both got blindsided uh, by people that were, more, in a sense, more powerful than they were, and they weren't expecting it. And it's interesting because it's like... Once you're the president of the United States, it's kind of like the, one of the most powerful positions. But both, in both instances, in both stories, they got upended by somebody kind of more powerful than they are. Yeah, I, I, I love thinking about presidents. It's one of my favorite sort of, I was going to say fictional tropes, but it's not fictional. Presidents are real. But like, so learning about the history of presidencies and uh, the way that these, these interesting people who choose to have that job, why you, it's almost, I almost think it's pathological to want to be president. People do it. Obviously, people do it every four years, and they, they spend tons of money and work really hard to get there. So thinking about the types of people who would want that job and what the actual power level of a president is and, and the, the types of people or the types of events that could counter that power, that immense power, are, are fascinating to me. And I think it's just a really cool engine in stories. And, you know, Not every story I write deals with presidential stuff, but it's, it's clearly a theme I like coming back to. I found that the theme was more like power rather than like president. I, I mean, I noticed the two presidents, but I feel like there's a lot of power because even like Daredevil, for example, you wrapped up two recent arcs was one where he goes to the Supreme Court and another one where uh, Kingpin becomes the mayor. 
And so, again, those are both kind of dealing with power from different perspectives and different experiences. Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, I think that there is certainly a theme in the Oracle year of power uh, and, and what what power is, how it's defined, and, and, and how you might choose to use the power that you have, whether that's big or small, and, you know, the power that Will has at the beginning of the novel. I don't, I don't want to spoil... Have you, have you had a chance to read through it, or I don't, I don't know how much of it you've had a chance to Yeah, read. I read the whole thing. I liked it. It was a good, solid novel. And there's, it's, un, it's interesting, because even though it's about an oracle, you don't see a lot of it coming. Yeah, well, that's, that, literally, that was, that was my, my game plan from day one, is to write a book about seeing the future that's extremely unpredictable. And the, um, the, the trick with it, as far as the power stuff, is that the main character at the beginning doesn't, doesn't have very much power in terms of his ability to affect the world, but he knows things. He, he starts the story with knowledge of 108 things that are going to happen in the future. And then it's about how he slowly builds this structure of influence and power with just those 108 things, how they're, each one is almost deployed like a weapon, sort of, or, or maybe that's a bad, a bad metaphor because they're not all, like, he's not using them in, in, a, in an aggressive way, really. It's more just how, how he uses them as little points of influence to, to turn his life and to turn the world into something new. It's also, he, the character Will, he is not somebody who necessarily is reaching, initially reaching for power. As you said, when you're talking about presidents, the, there's, there's something kind of almost broken inside them that is like, I got to do this. I have to run for this. I have to become the most powerful person. And Will is kind of like almost the opposite of it. And he's kind of thrust into a situation where now he becomes very powerful. And now he has to adjust to this newfound power. Yeah, I think, I think that's exactly right. I think you nailed it. Uh, it's, it's, it's an arc that he... Again, I, don't, I, don't, I really don't want to spoil too much of the book. But no, 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 that's fine. Things, ha- things, things happen to him that he can't, he can't really anticipate, despite knowing things about the future. He doesn't know very much about his own future. And so that is, a, again, kind of a fun dichotomy, I think, between what he knows and with respect to the rest of the world and what he knows about himself. He knows almost nothing about himself or his own future, and, and yet he is expected to do something with the things he knows about the rest of the world's future which is kind of a, a fun place to put a character. Yeah, it's a lot. I mean, we're going full circle back to the presidents. But once you become the president, you get that briefing every morning and tells you this is what Pakistan is up to, this is what this country's up to. And it's a lot of stuff that most of the mainstream kind of doesn't really know. And that kind of stuff is probably <laughs> why a lot of them, their hair turns gray, they lose sleepless, they have sleepless nights. And I mean, that's the, that's the thing, that's the revelation. So it's like you get to this position, but now you have more information, but in a sense, less power to control these events. Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, you, you, just knowledge is not always, I mean, there's a reason ignorance is less is a, is a saying, you know? Yeah. And going now, switching gears to Daredevil, because this is your other kind of prominent work these days. Has Daredevil affected your relationship with the law? I mean, like you said, you went from like law school to wanting to be a lawyer to practicing law to even shutting down the office, as you said, still maybe doing a couple of cases here and there. You've had a long affair with the law. Um, is it still kind of um, still there, even though as you start to see the nuances of the system or has it kind of rekindled your love affair with the law? I think I think the law is something I really like because I'm a guy who, who's interested in behind the scenes stuff, who's interested in thinking about the way that the world operate systemically you know so so you think about a city street and beneath the city street you have a i mean in new york anyway i don't know if it's the same way up in toronto but in but in new york you have utility tunnels you have manholes you have wiring you have piping you have sewer 
and then of course below that you have the, the subway system and, and the huge transportation network, and all of that is below the surface of the street, and you can't see it, but it's all there and it's all vital. And I think that the law for society functions in, in much the same way. It is this extremely vital and and complex system that that unites us all, and we all you know need it and think about it, and it's just a, a very um, you know complex thing that that we. It's one of the most fundamental parts of, of modern life is law. And, and so using it in, in lots of different lenses is fun. And Daredevil is one. She-Hulk was another that's sort of looking at the law through a superhero perspective. But I also, you know, I like writing about it in a more realistic sense and in, in, in sort of in something even like the Oracle Year has a lot of, like, legal stuff in it in, in, in the background. Like, what's the liability of predicting someone's future? And then if they take an act based on that, if they, they act in some way based on that prediction that, that has a negative consequence for them, are you liable for that damage or that hurt or whatever happened to them? I don't know. It's fun to think about, though. Mm-hmm. In the Oracle Year Acknowledgements, you write uh, to Brad Meltzer, whose presentation to a Colombian School of Law IP class in my second year set me on the road to writing not just the Oracle Year, but everything else I've written, too. Can you elaborate on that kind of inspiration? graduates of the same law school, Columbia, in New York City, uh, which is a, a phenomenal school, and uh, you know, I, I was very happy and lucky to go, and I'm, I would guess Brad feels the same way. And uh, he, had, he had put out, he, he got into his writing career before I did, so he had some books out and was already a bestseller when he came to speak to my, uh, an intellectual property class. It was either, either copyright or trademarks, I believe. And so he, he came and spoke, and he, he was there for just an hour, and he gave this, this he told us his story about how his work in the law led him to to become a writer and to become a best-selling writer, and it it I found it extremely inspiring. And and just to know that that path existed was was amazing because when you're in law school, there's this enormous focus and pressure toward going to a big firm and practicing, especially at a place like Columbia. The expectation is that because you have the opportunity to go work at some of the the city and and honestly the world's most prestigious law firms, that you will. And, and I did. You know, I went and worked at a firm uh, called Rabul McMurray that was then later acquired by Ropes and Gray, which is one of the, the most prominent law firms in, in the country, for sure. And But then I left because I knew that it wasn't going to be for me. And, and part of the reason I knew that it wasn't going to be for me is because Brad Meltzer had been there and talked about a different path that I thought was, was much more suited to what I actually wanted to do and be. And so if I hadn't had that happen, I don't know that I would have started my started writing my first novel, which, which is ancient history at this point, it didn't really go anywhere, but that led to getting into comics, which led to Marvel and DC, which in some ways in a roundabout way led to the Oracle year coming out, because I had enough of a profile from the comics work that publishers were willing to, to take a chance on, on a novel from me. So it all really does, I mean, he's not the only person who has influenced my my career, but he's a big one, and, and he is somebody who is really one of the nicest people I've ever met in my entire life. His generosity of time and spirit in his own work for other people's work is just unreal so that is why he's acknowledged in the acknowledgments and i you know honestly i don't know if i would be here with, without the the stuff that he has done over the years for me well thank you brad so why go down this just to pick up on the thread that you're mentioning like why why commit to being a lawyer i mean that's a lot of work uh, most people who have a creative outlet on the side or like tend to end up in Starbucks or something kind of more cliche and traditional like that. But to be a lawyer, to go through law school, to even start working at a firm is an awful amount of work. 
And if you have this hunger for this creativity or this outlet, like why dedicate yourself to that much work? Uh, you're, you're not wrong at all. You're completely right. The, the truth is sometimes life has currents, right? Sometimes it, you find yourself pushed in a direction that you weren't necessarily expecting. And you turn around and you're like, wow, how did this happen? And I know that sounds probably a little naive and odd considering we're talking about me going to law school for three years and then practicing law. But it, it didn't feel like that at the time. I mean, you get into a school like Columbia, and, and generally speaking, it's quite a big deal to turn it down. I was doing a lot of, of, of music work at the time as opposed to writing work, and I really wanted to, to be a musician was kind of the path I thought I was going to be on before law school. And then we had some, some issues sort of with – with my family and different things that made it seem like stability and having a really defined path would make a lot of sense for me. Something, it, it just seemed very appealing. And then, so, and again, it's not like, you know, it's not like getting into Columbia and getting a Columbia law degree is ever going to be a bad thing. It's always going to be an asset to your, to your life and career, no matter where you end up pretty much. And so I did it. And then you get out and you have an, an enormous amount of student loans and you need to think about a way to pay those back. And the, 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 the easiest way to do it or the, the sort of the path of least resistance is to get a job at one of those big firms because they, they tend to pay pretty well and you can start whittling away at the student loan balance. So it, it kind of all happened. And then the, the summer after graduating from law school, I took the bar exam, which is the big test you take. I don't know if there's a Canadian equivalent. I'm sure there is. But yeah. it's basically, yeah, this big test you take uh, and, and it, it takes several months to study for it and prepare. And then you... You take it over a period of two days, and you're so exhausted you can't even think when it's done. And people often take a, a vacation afterward. They'll go just go sit on a beach for a week and do nothing because it's so so grueling. And and I did that. And on that trip, I I stopped at a, like a stationery store and bought a, a longhand notebook and started working on my first my first novel uh, back then. So so it was it was that early that I knew that I was on a path that I I wanted to get off if I could. And so that, that brings us sort of full circle to that question that I was asking even then, you know, will this work out? Will this happen for me? And it, it's interesting, too, that you want to go down music as well, because music and writing both are like, it's very much like you said, the Oracle year, right? Where like, there's a lot of, you need a lot of different breaks to kind of happen for to make it happen. Um, you need a lot of different people kind of depending on you. And it could be the, it's always the oddest things whenever you hear somebody who's successful in an interview and they're like, this is what happened or this guy came to my class to speak or whatever. It's these little different sparks and these little different moments that all align to get the person where they are. That's a, that's a thousand percent right. It is not, it is not usually not one massive quick break. I mean, honestly, from, from that moment that I mentioned, the, the, the taking the bar exam and buying a notebook to the point where I had my first real published book. It was nine years. So, and, and that nine-year path had a lot of uh, moments of, man, why am I doing this? Why am I working so hard on this? Is this ever going to work out? But it also had a lot of moments of these, these little sparks where you're like, well, this is why I think I should keep going on this path. And, and even though, you know, the, the big things, the big moments, the publication of the book or whatever, they don't happen every day. The journey, I think, is also very fun and engaging. I mean, I was writing all that time, and I was having all the joy of writing just for myself. Nobody else was really reading it except, for, you know, my family and, and close friends, right, were reading the things I was doing at that point. But it, there's, there's joy in, in the creation, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a best-selling book or a big, huge published book to be worthwhile. And I think that's, if I had advice, I have a lot of advice to offer to aspiring writers and creative people, but I think 
that's that's it. If you can find joy in the experience of creating all the way through, whether it's whether it's profitable, whether it's anything more than you just making something, you can find joy in it, then you're always going to be fine no matter how your career happens to be doing at, at any given point. Yeah, you're talking about like Lord of the Rings where it's like it's the, the journey itself rather than destination. That's what you're celebrating. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, there's a reason that's the, you know, I, I mentioned ignorance is bliss. I mean, you know, it's the journey, not the destination is, a, is another saying, and it is for a reason. So how do you introduce yourself at parties now? You've gone through these, like, really big identities as a musician, a lawyer, a comic book writer, and now a novelist. So how do you introduce yourself at a party? Like, those are big, huge identities. Hey, I'm Charles. You know, if, if, if they, uh, they push, I'll, I'll explain a little bit more. But it's, it's just as easy to say, you know, I'm a writer. And then, and then what do you write? And then I usually talk about, oh, have you heard of Spider-Man? Yeah, oh, it's kind of like that. And then that's, if, if they have more questions, I'll elaborate. But, uh, but yeah, that's kind of how I see myself these days, just a writer. Cool. And last question before you go, <clears throat> as a music dude, is there any uh, cool music that you've been listening to lately or any music recommendations? Yeah, I'm, I'm always listening to stuff. I, I'm, I'm listening to music all the time, different bands, different things. Um, let's see, I'm, I'm pulling up my, uh, my music on my phone right now just to tell you a few that I've been enjoying. Um, uh, there's a band called Snarky Puppy, which is kind of a stra- like a fusion jazz band, very intense. I like that. Uh, I've been listening to Max Richter's uh, sort of re- reimagined Vivaldi's Four Seasons, which is a very, really inspiring, beautiful stuff. A band called Gang of Youth. Yep. Vincent Record. Um, man, lots of stuff all over the place. I'm, I'm just, yeah, like I said, just sort of flipping through it. The new Jason Isbell, or sort of new Jason Isbell's great. Lots of good books, or lots of good music out there. Mm-hmm. It must be exciting just to be in New York City, too, or like, and hang out there and just be able to soak up all that music alone. Oh, yeah. I, went to, I just went to a concert on Sunday night. I saw that Gang of Youth band that I mentioned, and it was... It's amazing, and there's always good shows every week. If you if you have time to go, if you want to go, there's always something. So Oracle Year, congratulations on the publication. It will be out April 3rd, uh, just in a few days. And um, you did actually something kind of fun for people that pre-ordered it. They got their own predictions. Yes, they did. the The idea, and that's still actually, I don't know, I don't know when this is going to air. It's more, I was just thinking in terms of how I answer this question because it, because when I when I explain this, unfortunately, the offer will be closed. But but basically. For people who pre-ordered the Oracle year, uh, and and then sent me sent me or basically sent HarperCollins proof of their pre-order, whether it's like a receipt or something, and then a mailing address, I sent out a postcard with a prediction of their future, a handwritten, unique. They're all different, different dates, different predictions for every person who did that for me. And so that was a lot of people, and it was really it, you know it took a lot of time to think of all those different predictions, but it, it's been really fun. I'm actually as we speak, I'm going to look and see how many I have left. I think I have there's a number that I haven't done yet. So uh, I'm gonna check that out and make sure that those get done soon. But uh, it's been it's been fun, and you have to you know whenever you're working on getting the word out, you have to be creative. You have to think of interesting ways to get people to talk and think about your story. And and this seemed like something that that was relatively simple for me to do. That would be that would bear some some good results, and that's that's how it's been. All right. Well, we'll wrap it up now so you can get back to work and uh, listen to some music and then write out those predictions. Thank you, Charles, yeah. for taking some time. Thank you for the, the book, The Oracle Year, and keep up the good work on the comic book stuff. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Thank Bye-bye. you.